Hey, Sales Enablement Podcast listeners. This is Alistair Wilcock, co-host of the RevOps Podcast. We have another special episode for you coming right up. So if you like what you hear, come and subscribe and join us at the RevOps Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcock from Revenue.io, joined by Howard Brown, CEO and founder. And today we have a special guest with Sylvan Giuliani. Sylvan is head of growth and operations at Census. And Sylvan, you know, you and I had a chance to connect and I'm very excited to dive into PLG today, product-led growth with you on RevOps, tying into the differences with product-led sales, and, and really just learn more about your background, which is very exciting. I'm like, uh, I, I know, like you've come from Brussels uh, originally, you learn, I, I'm going to project a little bit how to sell in Shanghai. You then went to Cambridge in England, to Paris, and now you're in the heart and thick of it in the Bay Area of San Francisco. So the international flair we're, we're looking forward to today. So welcome. Thank you for having me. And you know, as you can tell by my accent, I'm French and I'm not hiding it. Uh, and I will just go quickly, quickly. I was in Canterbury, not Cambridge. I'm, sadly, I didn't went to Cambridge. Uh, just Canterbury, but uh, still a great, great place to be. <laughs> well, well, I hear there's many a tale from Canterbury. Exactly. So, <laughs> yes, for book lovers, they'll catch my bad uh, pun. Well, listen, let's let's dive right into it. And and I want to open Howard and Sylvan with this question around product-led growth. Right, it's all the rage in the market right now. Every investor deck I see, every you know VC, you hear executives talking about it, both big and small companies about. We need to be product-led growth. And I'm a big proponent of it. One of my former colleagues, David Yolkosin at Gartner, is a big proponent of it. But does it is it always right for the world of RevOps? What's your take? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, a, I'm pretty opinionated about this. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been done PLG before it was called PLG at Pusha. So, you know, Pusha was selling mainly to developers. It was selling a real-time API to developers to help them build like chat. So, we used to have like 15,000 new signups every month. So, you know, we have a self-serve motion and we had a small team and so a small sales team. So it was all about how do we uh, identify the right account, the right user, the right usage pattern to extract more revenue, right? So very PLG before it was PLG. So I have seven years of scars from that. So I feel like I can't, can't comment on what is PLG and what is not PLG. And, um, and you know, my opinion is like, not every company can be PLG. Like, you know, I... I hosted a dinner a couple of weeks back with people that were in RevOps around the topic of PLG and data. And, you know, people were like, hey, my, my CEO is asking us to become PLG next year. Like, but uh, I'm not quite sure what that means. Like, you know, we're selling six digit deal. Our target, at, at, like our time is essentially Fortune 500 to a 5,000. Like, how does that work out? And, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm flat out. Like, you, you can never be PLG. Like, you know, like you never have like the the market size to justify it, like your products are usually very complex because you're selling to enterprise, like there's no adoption uh, cycle that you can kind of like accelerate through product. And and that's okay. Like, you know, there are products out there that are that needs like six months of pro services to implement because they are solving big problems at big companies and it requires people in the mix. And, and that's okay. Like, you know, it's not a bad thing to not be PLG. It's just a different type of business. So my opinion is like, company can be PLG, but most company shouldn't be PLG almost, uh, you know, they should embrace a more sales led, uh, human led, I would say, uh, growth strategy, I guess. Uh, that's my, that's my hot take here. Yeah. 
So, so what are the companies that are best suited for PLG? What do those companies look like? And, and what do they need to do to be successful at product-led growth? Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a pattern that have been emerging the past like you know, two years, really. Like to be successful at PLG, you need to have um, five components, right? One, you have to be able to have user that can self-serve the, the value of your product, right? Like someone needs to be able to sign up click around and get the value of your product. Like, you know, the figmas of the world, like the notion of the world, like, you know, I can come in and have a great single player mode experience and I can get all the value from that, right? That's, that's number one. Like if you don't have a product that can do that, you know, that's, it's not, it's, it's not gonna happen, right? Second of all is like, you need to have a very large uh, addressable market in terms of users, like not in terms of company, you know, even if you do B2B sales, it, it means like you need to have, to be able to have a deployment in enterprise where everybody in the company could be using your your product right you know, slack is a good example notion confluence like all those single player tools are uh, a good way like again if you're selling a b2b company and only the finance team can use it like you know and the finance team is usually pretty small in the organization like you're going to run out of users very very soon right and so that's going to be very difficult uh, to have like this kind of like plg motion virality motion within the same account or organization right um the third point that you need to have is like you need to have a simple pricing that makes sense and that is based on usage, right? And usage can mean many things. It can be as core, like as simple as a seat, uh, you know, like how many people are using our product. But it can be, it should go even further, like, you know, the type of document you can create, the type of action you can do, and then you should have like tiering because that's something that is going to fuel uh, your PL, like, you know, your product-led growth is like the, the user getting more value of the of your product by using your product more they're gonna you know drive more revenue they're gonna unlock more use cases more use cases more feature more feature more usage and etc and you know nobody talks to anyone and you know we keep charging credit cards uh, on file right you know that's like the third very important point um the fourth point is this is kind of like more like internal facing i think uh to be a true plg company you need to have like data like you know it's not because you have those first three checkbox done is like i think to be a true plg company you need to understand like those patterns of usage you need to be able to exploit those those data points to again nudge the customer into the right direction to do the next best action right like again it's not because people can sign up to figma and and create diagram by themselves that it's gonna move the the needle like what's moving the needle is like hey seal you just created a great figma doc you need to share it with Alistair here because he's on your team, right? And so I invite Alistair. Alistair start as a read-only user. I said, well, this thing, my thing, it's pretty cool. I'm going to request access to be a paid seat. Boom, I get another paid seat. Like, and then, you know, then the variety happens. And then at that point, it's like, oh, you have five users. Well, that's great. Like, what can we do as five users? We can create teams. We can create projects. Oh, guess what? Those are paid feature, like, and, and et cetera. And then next thing you know, 12 months later, you have 100 license uh, deployed in um, in the organization. And then, then at that point, the salesperson comes in and, you know, um, you know, say like, hey, don't you want to consolidate that usage, right? And we give you like a better deal, all that classic sales motion comes on top. So I would say these are kind of like the four main points. Uh, and then finally, the last one is like keep having this kind of like low complexity product, I would say. Like this is like I mentioned it previously, but I think, it is super important that you have a product that is easy to adopt that doesn't require like insane change management mm -hmm. in the organization, things like that. Like, you know, it's not because 
it's easy to use that you can easily deploy and get easy adopted, right? Um, I think uh, that I'm trying to think about example of like this such, such a product. Like I think uh, weirdly enough, like things that in the developer ecosystem are like game changing. I would say things like in the DevOps world, like you know, oh, we're gonna improve like dev dev productivity. It's great, but actually that means like changing how people work, and usually that creates a lot of friction in large organization. Like people are like, why do I need to change the way I work? I got a promotion six months ago. Seems that things are going well. <laughs> uh, so that, these are the five points I would mention. Yeah. I, I think they're really solid points when you think of the characteristics of what makes a PLG company. But I, I want to just double click on what we said at the intro as well of PLS product led sales as well. Just so the audience really understands the distinction here. Then you kind of hinted at this scenario, which I is a good one. Imagine we're selling a more complex product. It's a six or seven digit deal. And I remember you know, when I've talked to lots of people around RevOps, they're like, well, I love the idea. I get the importance of multi-channel. I get the importance of digital engagement. I know it all needs to be lined up, but, but honestly, we have a really complex selling process. We have a very complex product or offering. Maybe it's even services, right? And, and you suddenly go, well, PLG, to your point, it's it's not point and click. I'm not downloading. I'm not instant gratification and kind of getting there on that side. So this is where the hybrid PLG moves to PLS and RevOps comes into play. So imagine that scenario where we're now selling and we have multiple stakeholders in a business. Maybe I'm selling to a finance team as well as sales leadership and maybe a marketing department as well. Can I get basic pilots going? based upon persona and role and outcome by role. So that's the product piece, yep. right? The, the, you know, the sales piece of that is understanding the nuance of each of those things and getting feedback via a system, maybe Pendo, it would be an example, right? Uh, for those that aren't familiar, Pendo is a tool that product development teams use to track usage, see how people are moving in and out of products, things like that. As I have that Pendo data, I want to have my RevOps team extract that give it to my sales team to help my sales team understand when and how to engage in a PLS-led motion. So these things are not mutually exclusive. It's not like we can't take product insight to support a selling motion. The trouble is in, in PLG only, it often is this nirvana of, well, I don't, I don't want sales at all. I don't want to invest there. So I can magically just make my product sell itself. Yeah. And, and PLS is actually really the answer that I think most companies are going to get to because a lot are in this more hybrid scenario. Yeah, I see a lot of things like, you know, uh, at Census, we have a lot of companies doing more with the data, whether it's like on a PLG side, but also on like a more traditional P B2B. What, what, I, what I always say to them is like, you know, like if you have a very complex offering as the one you mentioned, like, you know, it's okay. Uh, but you can borrow everything that is good about PLG and still get, rip the benefits as a RevOps person, right? And so a perfect example is like a customer of ours that we had a couple of months back. We have them like implement a lot of those kind of PLG concepts. And so again, to put you in, in, in context here, like, you know, they mostly sell like six digit deal, big deployment across like a couple of like big business units, like, you know, sales, HR, uh, finance, IT, right? And so the way they sell their product is usually they do a POC that touch all of those business units. It's like a nine months POC. And, you know, like the way they drive the POC is like the good old fashioned way, which is like ring, ring, how things are going. This is, this is your monthly checking. And we on track with a project management, like, you know, classic 
consultant process uh, implementation phase, right? And so I said to them, look, you have a product. Those products, as you mentioned, you might be using Pendo. For them, they were just like, like everything was first party uh, event data that we're already capturing. I was like, well, we can take the best thing about PLG, which is essentially product lead scoring, and take all of those usage tracking and show that to your rep in Salesforce. So before they go on a call, they can see the account where they're like, hey, this account is currently doing a nine-month PLC with us. They said they needed to adopt our solution in HR, IT, things like that. And so we're going to bring the data of, of how they use the product in Salesforce. So the sales, sales reps, before going on a call, they're like, how they've adopted the, um, our solution to the you know, success criteria of our mutual action plan or the POC or, or, or whatnot, right? And so just so, surfacing that data in Salesforce empower the sales team to do lots of different things, right? Like at that point, you can go on in and you can see, hey, you are behind on the POC, so at risk account, like, you know, how can you kind of get, get in front of like potential churn, delay, paying for everyone, but also you can accelerate deal, right? Because sometimes, uh, and that's an example that they gave us like a couple of months back, it's like, let me tell you about this deal. Like, because we had the data, we actually, we were able to call up the, the customers like, hey, I've just looked at how you use your, our product right now. And, um, you know, everything is green compared to the uh, action plan that, uh, mutual action plan that we put together. And we have three months remaining on the POC. Like the sales rep just said, is there anything else you need to see to, to close out the POC? And the customer was like, no, actually you're right. Like, you know, we're super happy. And then boom, sales rep was able to add that question that saved him three months time on the sales cycle, right? And that means closing revenue sooner and accelerate those deals. So I think that is like boring, like PLG concept of like showing like right data, aggregated data, you know, not 50 fields of data, but just like five, five six fields of uh, data and allowing the sales team to to accelerate the deal just that and you know so again you don't have to be plg to be doing that you just need like the co-foundation which is like produces data in front of the right people at the right time uh, to allow them to do the next best action i think it is a good example i think that one thing that i'm seeing today is companies are racing to plg without the concept of product led you can't just take your current product and turn it into product-led growth. You have to architect from the ground up, thinking about your customer in the very center of that universe. Again, if you're worried, if you're concerned, if you're thinking about, obsessing about customer experience, mm -hmm. whether you're product-led or sales-led or customers, you have to put the, the customer at the center. So that a brand experience is what is critical. Yep. If you suddenly decide, oh, we're, we're just going to let the product led growth lead us to the promised land, you're gonna miss the mark and you're gonna suffer mightily. So product led has to start with product, right? Yep. You have to understand what the value proposition is that your product is delivering and you need to your earlier point, make sure that your product is consumable, is easy to understand, easy to use, easy to spread within the organization, making certain that the users know how to extract the value yeah. from that tool. If they're not able to do that, all you're doing is letting go of a bunch of your sales organizations in hopes that you're going to reduce your cost of acquisition and it's going to be an ugly experiment. I, I would even one up, like you're completely correct there, and I would one up you and then 
like come actually some uh, some story here. It's like you know at Pusher we used to have like a lot of like uh, support tickets, and so to your point, we're like maybe our product is not great experience, right? And so we started classifying tickets on like essentially is it a technical problem, is it a product problem, or is it like a ask for advice uh, ticket, right? And what we find out is actually most of the support tickets that we got from our customers were. Uh, customers asking us, are they doing it the right way? What are the, they wanted to have understanding best practices and more use case. So the product was not failing them. If anything, the product was so easy to use that it opened their eyes on like what else they could do and are they doing it the right way, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, that's something I now ask most people to do when I advise companies nowadays is like whether it's an operation people or like the CEO, I said like, hey, go look at your support ticket and try to classify these two things because you might be thinking you have like a bad product, but actually, you missing educational content, right? And so at that point, it's like, you know, how can I do more with my product? And so this goes back to what you're saying. It's like, you actually have the foundation to do a PLG motion where the, sell, the product can sell itself. What you're missing is like the in-app education, you know, the collateral webinars, the email nurture campaign, things like that. Like you don't suffer from like a terrible product experience, right? Or you, or you might be, and then you need to fix that because no amount of education and content will solve the fact that when you click on a button, the spinners goes for like ages. Yeah. The error message is like unknown. That's not how you get product-led growth. Like yeah. you, know, you click on a button and something blows up, it's frustration and you're going to leave. Like that's, that's kind of like a, a good point that you made there. And so I agree with you. And so, Ben Howard, what I would suggest is um, for companies looking at PLG and for our audience of RevOps leaders out there as well, because they're going to get hear this and then go, well, what would I do? I actually tend to think, you know, there's four major questions. One, think in terms of discovery. How is somebody discovering my product? Two, what's the storytelling? What's that motion look like? Three, the user behavior. Four, the mapping of the organization. And Sales Hacker and others have done some really good work around this. And so what do I mean? Discovery. If the product already has some basic adoption and is fairly easy and it's, to your point, known, maybe it makes motion. But if nobody's used it yet, you're going to need some PLS motions versus PLG motion to help create the thing out there. Mm -hmm. The storytelling, this is where I think a lot of people go wrong. It, you know, How, through a PLG motion, am I automating the use case relative to the persona and helping that persona see the impact of how something is saving the money, proving value or something. Yeah. You, you need a way of proving that. You can't just go, well, download it, try it, right? Like that, that's, that's not going to get you there all the way, especially for more complex products that are looking at PLG. Yeah. The inverse of that in PLS is, okay, I actually do have sales because they're going to actually share the story. They're going to be the ones that tell the story of and help the buyer understand the value they're going to receive from this motion. The behavior, which is our third bucket, that is where we're looking at and going, all right, but the buyer is already using the product. So how am I pushing insight to them on the motion? Pendo data, other things like that, right? That's what's happening there. So then I can continue the motion and continue the adoption of the behavior from the customer, the buyer. Whereas in PLS, I really want to look at it and say, all right, Sales reps here really need to educate the buyer on how to use the product. They're driving the adoption side of it. And then the final piece is the org. And this is now looking at, okay, if it's PLG-led, it should be self-evidence where the product goes next. 
cross-functional, departmental, all of those things. Yeah. If it's not, you need a PLS motion to have people help drive the behavior. And I know I'm really simplifying it down to discovery, storytelling, behavior, and org, but everybody rushes to go build to make something clickable and download and this and that. And they don't actually then set up the systems, the tools, the selling process behind it to really make it magical and work. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I'm like, you know, like we don't need to sprint to automation and process it, things like that straight away. Like, you know, I think today something we do, I mean, I do myself at Census and I did at Pusher with my team is like, you need to really understand like, what is the kind of like the behavior, as you were saying, of a customer coming to your to your product and what they're trying to achieve, and then mapping that to like your like at the beginning, you have a hypothesis or like what's the outcome they're gonna use our product for, right? And so today I'll, I do all of that manually. So every day, I log into our CRM, have a bunch of what we call like soft PQLs internally, and so we've tried to identify people who are using a product or are consuming some sort of content outside the product, and so we say, oh, this account seems to be more or less ready. I literally look at like recording of how they click around in a, a product using tools like Postdoc, for example, right? Or Pandora, as you were mentioning. And then I reach out to them and like, hey, it's my understanding that you're trying to use sensors to connect like Snowflake to Salesforce and you consume uh, content about doing lead scoring, right? So is that kind of correct? And I saw that you didn't manage to do that thing in our product, like what happened, right? And so because you show that you have understand where they're coming from and then they, they tell you like, yeah, no, you know, I was, I was trying to do this because my boss told me to do to look into sensors and yes, we're trying to do this scoring. And so I was trying to see if we can leverage like our first party data to do these things. And so like through doing like 20, 50 of those kind of like, you know, digging and a conversation that you get like quickly at that point, you like, you can go back to your sales team to be like, okay, what it looks like is most of people being told by their boss because they have a strategic initiative around, you know, how do we maximize inbound lead flow? So we want to do scoring one way or the other. Sometimes it's PQL, sometimes it's other thing. And they want to use first party data to do scoring, right? And to do that, they do that to do what? To increase pipeline or and things like that, right? So at that point, you can go back to your sales team. You can tell that, tell that messaging to them and then they can go to work with it, right? And so this is where you switch from manual work to automation, process, playbook, you know, the, the, the whole shebang that operation people can, can implement uh, in their sleep, right? And I feel like if you do that every six months, you know, like you get the product to be changed, you, you'll see the different type of uh, users in demo requests, in leads that you're going to get because marketing campaigns are going to change. And then you'll see, you'll do it and you'll be like, wow, since last time now we get a lot more people who guess what they're doing. You know, they, they want to achieve something else because maybe we went to a different event. Maybe we went some type of marketing campaign that are attracting differently. So I think that's like very important of like, again, using PLG things that you can have a translate to you know, sales motion, like salespeople, or again, if you have a true opportunity to do PLG, you know, put all of that into your product, like, you know, guide them for like one one way funnel at the beginning to get them to a moment of like, yes, you came to census, you connected everything and you use our lead scoring module to do lead scoring and congrats. Now, now you can explore the rest of our product because you already got value out of census the first time and now you're free to roam around the UI, right? Like, I think that's, that's another way of uh, lots of tools to do that nowadays, right? It's like, until you've done the one thing we know is valuable to you, you're not going to be able to click anywhere else, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that can work too. Uh, but you need to know what is that thing by looking at what the customers are doing. And you know, you can do it with them on a call. You can do it by looking at recording. It's exactly what we're doing as a sales and operation leaders, really. It's quite eye-opening. Yeah, but this leads into 
one of the other really key insights that I think everybody wants to know is how do we use a PLG product-led growth versus product-led sales? And I think you're just kind of hinting at Sylvan and, and Howard, you were earlier. How do I not just drive what's in front of me? How do I go drive the white space, the new opportunity, the additional growth? Yeah. Because that in times of economic duress, like what most companies are in right now, is germane to their success, right? They need to be able to find the white space of revenue. Now, unfortunately, we are out of time for here today. So let's pick that up next time on the white space of revenue. Sylvan, we'll have you back. Howard will dive in. Love to hear, Howard, exactly how you think about the white space of revenue uh, as we lead in. Sylvan, thanks for joining us here today, everyone. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. And we have our new call-in number where we're taking your questions. We're feeding them into the podcast. We'll call you out on future episodes as well. So please do dial and reach us at 323 540 Four seven seven seven. That's three two three five four zero four triple seven. And we will see you next week to discuss the white space of product-led growth as it pertains to RevOps. Howard Sylvan, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for seeing you next week.